Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Van Maren Show. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and today I want to talk a bit about the way the media has been covering social conservative issues. It will not be a surprise to anybody who is a Christian or anybody who is pro-life or anybody who opposes gender ideology or really anybody who's been reading, watching, or listening uh, with any amount of attention over the last couple of years that we are largely being gaslit by the media on most prominent issues. And I really do believe that one of the key inflection points in the breakdown of public trust between the public and the media is the fact that the lies that are being told, for example, about gender ideology are so obvious that even those who once defended the press can no longer do so. Now, the media has long had a a slightly liberal bent. Um, People who went into journalism were more likely to be liberals than conservatives. And so the the fact that the media has had a more uh, left-wing tilt than a right-wing tilt has been known for a very long time. But you could kind of correct for that by just fact their bias in when you are watching or reading their coverage. Things are very, very different now because what we have is a scenario in which the media, virtually every single arm of the media has specifically chosen a side. And so just to give uh, the most obvious example on the issue of transgenderism, they have bought into the premises of transgender ideology. And so therefore they are incapable of actually interrogating the claims made by the transgender movement. Uh, So when you have stories, for example, about men who identify as women so that they can get sent to women's prisons after committing horrifying rapes and murders and other violent crimes. What you have is is the media, even when they are questioning the wisdom of that decision, even when they are questioning the wisdom of policies that allow men to be sent to, to women's prisons, they don't question the basic premise, which is that this man can call himself a woman and he therefore is a woman. Even when they're questioning political policies, even when they're questioning the consequences of the transgender agenda, at no point do they question the underlying foundation, the underlying ideology. And as such, they are almost incapable of mounting any kind of serious interrogation into a movement that is fundamentally uh, running the show in a lot of major Western countries right now. And when you have news outlets, say like the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, you know, a a media outlet with a very prestigious history. When you have a media outlet like that, uh, posting pictures of these sort of ugly snaggletoothed bruisers and saying, you know, uh, Karen White is one example or Janice was another example, um, has been arrested because you know she committed sexual assault with her penis. Um, the, none of this is an exaggeration, by the way. These are all things that have been in mainstream news sources. Uh, people just start to realize that obviously the media has an agenda. And this means that they start to see an agenda everywhere, that the fundamental breakdown of trust in the fifth estate comes when people are already being asked by the New York Times, by MSNBC, by the BBC, who are you going to believe, us or your lying eyes? And if the BBC or the New York Times is lying very obviously about this huge bearded male uh, and calling him or her, 
what else might they must like, pardon me, what else might they be lying about? Right. You can hardly fault people for questioning various dominant narratives when some of the narratives that are being pushed by these media outlets are so clearly, so clearly false. I think you can draw a direct line from suspicion about the official narrative on the Russia Ukraine conflict um, back to photographs of, again, sort of ugly, violent men being referred to respectfully by she, her pronouns, uh, phrases like his breasts and her penis. I think that at the end of the day, the media sold its credibility uh, in exchange for a handful of ideological premises that are starting to look less and less tenable by the day. And so this is this is really, really interesting because what we're seeing now is this breakdown in media trust while the media doubles down on its premises. So you have parents gathering uh, at large protests to demand that their children not be uh, transitioned without their knowledge or consent. And those people are essentially labeled as far, uh, far right actors. You have uh, people who are protesting the indoctrination of children in schools. Uh, those parents are sneer, uh, a smeared. As, as hateful. And so what you have is the press operating fundamentally as the propaganda arm for the sexual revolution and responding to any threats to the sexual revolution the way propagandists always do, which is to double down on their initial claims, uh, to heighten the rhetoric, and to try to explain away the truth in ways that are so obvious to the, the average person that sometimes I wonder what they're thinking behind the editorial desks at places like the CBC. So just to give you another example, from the CBC, right? You had you had uh, nationwide protests across Canada, um, where parents came out, and the slogan of the, these protests, the Million Person March for Children, was uh, "Leave Our Kids Alone," and it was uh, a plurality of Canadians from all different walks of life. And what we got from the CBC were explainers on on the racist roots of parental rights where essentially parents not wanting uh, state school staff to usher their children on the path to lifelong medical medicalization and sex changes were actually somehow rooted in some sort of neo-fascist dark past that we should all be aware of because the CBC has made it up. Right when when normal people read this they recognize that there is a huge gap between the reality as they experience it and reality as the media is portraying it. And I want to focus on one specific example today because I think it's particularly relevant in the context of both Americans and Canadians. And that is the reality that what we have seen over the past 50 years is a global sexual revolution and a global ideological colonization being carried out by the progressive sexual left. And yet what we see the press doing is insisting that it is in fact social conservatives social conservatives in the West who are carrying out this sort of ideological colonialism abroad. It's another example of how not only is what the media is saying not true, but it's the exact opposite of the truth. And, and to, give you, to give you an example in this context, many of you probably saw the CNN headline. It went viral on August 29 that said the following, quote, two men in Uganda are facing separate charges of aggravated homosexuality, an offense punishable by death under the country's controversial new anti-gay laws. Now, you read that headline and you're thinking, that's horrifying. Clearly, these, these men are being executed just because of who they're attracted to. This is obviously an, an unjust thing. Uh, I think everybody would agree that it would be very unjust to execute these people for those reasons. But 
because Elon Musk now owns Twitter, which of course is referred to presently as X, um, you can attach community notes to these articles where helpful context can be provided by, by the community. And here's the context to that headline. Quote, one man is accused of having a sexual relationship with a disabled man, the other of a sexual act with a 12-year-old child. Both are charged with aggravated homosexuality, defined as same-sex relations with someone who is HIV positive, a child, an elderly person, or disabled. Consider the difference between the narrative provided by CNN and the reality behind that headline. Consider that for a minute. Regardless of what you think of the death penalty, regardless of what you think of the laws in Uganda, the difference between the narrative put forward in C by CNN and the truth about what actually happened is enormous. And then consider the fact that the mainstream press has been doing this for years in other words, they have been shaping the public perception of many issues by the way they word their headlines, by which facts they choose to leave out, by which facts they choose to slightly emphasize. In short, what they're doing is they are attempting to bring the public to the sexual revolution, to curry favor for their ideological causes, to demonize their opponents. They are doing this to us on purpose, and they've been doing it for a very, very long time. I want to give another example of this that I think um, is really important and particularly egregious. And it's an example that, uh, that really struck me when I was reading it. Uh, it's from The Guardian, which is a leftist publication in the UK. And in July, they published an article on the, quote, social imperialism of the American religious right. And the article was titled, U.S. Religious Right at Center of Anti-LGBTQ Plus Message Pushed Around the World. And according to The Guardian, a handful of American evangelical leaders lobbying African leaders are pretty much entirely responsible for the legislation that they refer to as anti-LGBTQ, patronizingly ignoring the fact that Africans are, by enormous margins, far more socially conservative than Westerners on basically every single issue. Anybody who's been to Africa knows this. And what's interesting is, so my wife lived in Africa on and off for four years, and uh, I went there with her for five weeks just after we got married. And I had a lot of fascinating conversations with people there that work for nonprofits and charities. And, and, and one Tanzanian guy had something interesting to say. He said, we know immediately when a nonprofit shows up in Africa, whether or not they're any good. Because he says, most of them now, all they want to talk about are the pelvic issues. All they want to talk about are the sexual issues. They care far more about making sure that Africans are on board with gender ideology than they do making sure they have clean drinking water. But The Guardian insists that what we actually see going on is Christians taking their culture wars abroad so that like Christians who are fighting these sex ed battles, you know, in Canada and the United States and the UK, it's those people who are taking their views to other countries and imposing their socially conservative views on people who aren't socially conservative. Like consider, consider how brazen of a propagandist you have to be to claim that the Ugandans and the Tanzanians and the Malawians, these, these people are only socially conservative 
because preachers from the U.S. are showing up. Let me quote directly from The Guardian here. Africa, Eastern Europe, and Latin America often function as petri dishes for strategy as U.S. groups abroad help craft legislation and fight legal battles. The new global front in culture wars is in turn empowering a resurgent domestic religious right that is pushing book bans, pride flag bans, and a record 491 state-level bills targeting LGBTQ plus rights. So let's unpack that paragraph for a minute because it's it's impressive how many deceits have been stuffed into an incredibly short paragraph. So first, this domestic religious right that is pushing book bans, it's such a garbage, dishonest characterization to call the fight over which books should be made available to students book bans. So the actual truth is that there are huge debates going on right now about very graphic how-to sex manuals, graphic novels, uh, the most controversial of which is genderqueer, which includes graphically illustrated scenes of young men having sex with each other, of oral sex, of all of these sorts of things. And in fact, parents have been kicked out of school board meetings for inappropriate behavior simply from reading from books that have been made available to students in school libraries and in classrooms. So this isn't a book ban because, for example, you can buy genderqueer wherever you want. If you're so inclined, you can head over to Amazon right now and have that book on your doorstep the following day. Nobody is banning any books. They are, however, curating the curriculum and deciding what young people should be exposed to in the context of education. And obviously, there are wildly differing views. LGBT activists and their progressive allies believe that kids should have access to books with explicit sex scenes and and explicit depictions of homosexual activity, and parents like myself do not. That is not a book ban. That is a debate over whether or not pornography should be given to kids. Same thing with pride flag bans. Nobody's banning the pride flag. You can't actually go anywhere in the West during June, and increasingly uh, the rest of the pride season, as Justin Trudeau now calls it, without getting borderline blinded by the number of flapping pride flags. What they're referring to with pride flag bans is a handful of jurisdictions or schools deciding that they were only going to fly unifying flags, that is, flags that represent everyone as opposed to the colonizing banner of a single ideological group. So pride flag bans also. It's an over-deceit. And then they're talking about 491 state-level bills targeting LGBT rights. Most of the bills that they're referring to here are either prohibiting drag performances to children or or are prohibiting sex change surgeries and cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers given to kids, placing them on a lifelong path to medicalization. It's about been about 15 historical minutes since we decided that sex changes for children are a human right, but The Guardian is already claiming that there's a global culture war in which American preachers are, are testing out their domestic-level strategy in Africa. This is not just ridiculous. This is obvious propaganda. It's intentional propaganda. It is the precise opposite of what's actually happening. Because the so-called... Let me give you another quote from this article here. The religious rights play in Africa, where it has successfully lodged itself in many nations' political and elite establishment, is about power and money. So now we have a culture war that is not only about importing homophobic laws, testing them out, and then, you know, importing them back into the U.S. It's also about power and money. I'm not really sure 
uh, where that comes from and where this money actually is. But, you know, leave it to the Guardian to make an unsubstantiated claim with no reflection of reality. The report also claims that the religious right is attempting to redefine human rights. And again, again, we are being gaslit. It's so important to point out here that when they say we are trying to redefine human rights, they are actually accusing us of exactly what they have been doing, exactly what the sexual left has been doing at the international level for decades. Austin Ruse of the Center for Family and Human Rights, uh, colloquially known as CFAM, he's been on this podcast several times, he sends out weekly missives over at his site detailing all of the various machinations of activists at the UN to get abortion and LGBT-supporting language in treaties and formal documents of every kind. In short, what they're trying to do is say that human rights, as laid out in, in 1948, actually includes so-called reproductive health, by which they mean abortion. They don't use the word abortion because they don't want to make African leaders angry, they don't want to upset Muslim leaders, and so they say reproductive health. But because reproductive health, in their view, means abortion, they're essentially trying to redefine human rights and smuggle feticide in under cover of language that sounds less offensive. They're doing the same thing when they're trying to smuggle identity terms into treaties and into court rulings. What they're trying to do is redefine human rights as we understand them now to claim that there is a human right to have your penis surgically removed or get a double mastectomy as a minor or for a child to block puberty by taking untested drugs that have proven to be dangerous for children. They are literally redefining human rights. And then to distract from the fact that this is what they're doing, they're accusing us of trying to redefine human rights. It's it, it's so ballsy, you almost have to admire it. The fact that what they're doing is, is looking at what they're doing and saying, you know what we should do? We should accuse them of doing the exact same thing. That'll work. And for those of you who are, who are interested in tracking this, this, this process and seeing how this all came about, I would, I would recommend a couple of books. Uh, Margaret Peters ha- uh, published a fascinating book in 2012 um, describing the phenomenon of how international institutions were infiltrated and colonized by the sexual left in her book, The Globalization of the Western Sexual Revolution. And sociologist Gabriel Kubi, who, again, I've had on this podcast twice, so many of you um, may have heard my interview with her. If not, it's it's really worth listening to. She covered some of the same material in The Global Sexual Revolution, Destruction of Freedom in the Name of Freedom. And she talks about how, since the UN Declaration of Human Rights, the sexual left has successfully at the international level, a smuggled in terminology that redefines what the initial authors of these documents would have understood by human rights and what most people still do describe as human rights. And so in short, what we have here is the Guardian claiming that an international cabal of Christian leaders is doing what the cosmopolitan sexual revolutionaries have been doing with staggering success for more than half a century. And I just want to give you a a couple of other details here because this one is, it's really worth examining in depth because I'm seeing this accusation more and more often. And as such, this accusation is important to respond to because what we're seeing uh, overseas is is a sort of blowback is Western, uh, the Western neo-colonialists, the sexual left are pushing their values overseas. And this is happening almost everywhere 
um, that that Western leaders are offering aid, right? We have Justin Trudeau giving billions of dollars in Canadian in Canadian taxpayer money for LGBT rights and for abortion overseas. The same thing is happening in, in the U.S. The same thing is happening in most of the Anglo, um, Anglophone countries. And a lot of these uh, leaders are getting sick of it and they're pushing back. So what we're actually seeing in quite a few African countries is they are actually passing laws that explicitly address the issues of of gay rights. Uh, Countries like Kenya, where they specifically passed a ban on abortion, enshrined preborn human rights into their constitution. Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, condemned them and they basically told her to pound sand. And so we're seeing this sort of cultural blowback where, where countries are actually passing laws emphasizing their own socially conservative values because they're being pushed so hard by external Western forces. And Nigerian human rights activist Obianuju uh, Ichoka, she described what the West has been perpetrating on Africa in her very essential 2018 book, Target Africa, Ideological Neocolonialism in the 21st Century which uh, we talked about on this show, as well as her 2019 documentary, Strings Attached. I, I do have a review of that documentary up at LifeSite if you want to read a summary of what that documentary said. But essentially, um, the case that she's making in both the book and the documentary is that so-called humanitarian aid from the West pretty much always now comes with strings attached. Contraceptives, demands for the legalization of abortion, perverse Western-style sex education, and then finally the replacement of traditional African values with postmodern Western ones. And the desperate need of many African countries for Western foreign aid is being exploited by Western leaders to push for the imposition of a top-down sexual revolution. This is what's actually going on. And I really do um, I really do advise you to read Obianuju Ikoka's book. Um, again, that's Target Africa, Ideological Neocolonialism in the 21st Century. If you don't think that uh, you have time to read a book, do go and check out my interview with her um, on the Van Maren Show because it's very worth your uh, very worth listening to, especially in the context of reports like this one from The Guardian. So basically what she describes and what she shows in the documentary is that progressive Western leaders spend billions of dollars funding abortion, for example, in countries where it's illegal. Strings Attached actually shows Paul Cornelson, who is the regional director of Marie Stopes International for South Africa, telling a chuckling audience in a private meeting that, quote, we do illegal abortions all over the world. Marie Stopes, for those of you who haven't heard of it, is kind of like Planned Parenthood. It's based in the United Kingdom. It's one of the world's largest abortion providers. Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau, as I said recently, sends millions of dollars, billions total, to fund abortion in developing countries. And when uh, Conservative MP Garna Jenis from, from Edmonton asked the then Minister of Foreign Affairs, now Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland, if she was confident that Canadian cash wasn't being used to fund illegal abortion overseas, she refused to answer. Which, of course, is all of the answer you need. Essentially, that's precisely what they're doing. The Biden administration, of course, uh, Joe Biden promised the LGBT movement everything on their wish list when he was running for office. Uh, it's 
kind of one of those ironies of history that one of the longest serving American politicians of the last century, uh, somebody who has become a very old man in office, somebody who served under presidents stretching back to, to Gerald Ford, has turned out to be the most radically socially progressive president the United States has ever had, including Joe Biden. That's, of course, assuming, or sorry, uh, including Barack Obama. That's assuming, of course, that he, ha- he has any idea what's going on. But he has turned the U.S. into a neo-colonial power, pushing progressive values again on poor, weaker countries. They are going further than any previous administrations in pushing for the legalization of same-sex marriage in other countries, and most recently uh, in Serbia. The State Department has now added, and get this, this is really big news that nobody pays attention to. The State Department has added same-sex marriage to its 2022 Human Rights Report, which is considered in diplomatic circles to be essentially the definitive human rights view of the countries listed. In other words, if same-sex marriage is now considered a fundamental right by the U.S. State Department, that sends a powerful message to the majority of countries in the world which does not recognize same-sex marriage as marriage. It sends a powerful message to countries in Latin America and Africa and the developing world that are hoping to get U.S. foreign aid, and it's essentially change your policies because right now your human rights record is terrible because we just added same-sex marriage to what it means to have a good human rights record to begin with. In fact, uh, Japan recently started working on some pro-LGBT legislation in direct response to pressure from the United States and the G7 uh, because Japan does not recognize same-sex marriage as valid marriage. This is a huge problem for Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau and other Western leaders. And so what you have is Western ideological neocolonialism. Uh, in fact, last year, the Biden administration actually came under fire for spending over 20000 bucks in taxpayer dollars, get this, to fund drag shows in Ecuador. The U.S., of course, is also pushing to secretly include abortion in global treaties, and if you want systematic updates of that, you can head on over to CFAM. So this is what's actually happening, is you have rich Western countries that are basically telling developing countries, we're not going to help you out with clean water, we're not going to help you out with desperately needed food or medical care, unless you get your human rights records in order, and your human rights records include abortion and same-sex marriage and things like that. That's what they mean by strings attached. But the Guardian and the media at large would have us believe that a few Christian groups are imposing their views on an unwilling African population, and that this is also serving as a testing ground for laws in Hungary and American red states. The brazenness, the brazenness of this level of gaslighting is almost impressive, but I think it needs to be called out because it's another example of why nobody trusts the press. I think there's real implications to nobody trusting the media, and I think it's a problem. But when the truth is that rich Western countries are pushing the LGBT agenda on abortion in developing countries, promising them cash in exchange for their souls, but the headline is, you know, a handful of evangelical preachers run Uganda now somehow— this stuff needs to be called out. And so what we've seen is that, it, that the press is now so ideologically committed to the sexual revolution that they are willing to tell you the precise opposite of the truth. We're seeing examples of this almost every day. It's a huge problem, but you cannot trust what you read. And in many cases, what we're seeing is the media almost seems to be challenging us. 
they almost seem to be daring us to push back. There almost seems to be an element of demoralization in all of this. Because when I see a picture on the BBC, sort of the once prestigious, the once noble BBC, and there's a picture of a mean-looking guy uh, who has just perpetrated horrific acts against women and children, and we're being told that this is a woman, a female rapist, who used her penis against innocent victims. You you wonder, do the people writing this stuff believe it? Or are they just trying to force us into believing it? What is this, what is this really all about? Anyways, all of that is to say that if you read the mainstream press today, and we all have to for some news here and there, you basically need an interpreter, and that the reason for the crisis of trust in our institutions right now has been brought upon itself by those institutions. If you want to check out some of the interviews that I've listed in this show, uh, please do head on over to lifesightnews.com. Click on the podcast tab. You'll be able to subscribe to future shows and find past shows there. Thanks so much for listening this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week.